Hello and welcome to the good friends of Jackson Elias, sort of. This is a special episode that is actually an episode of How We Roll, sort of. What happened was Joe Trier and I sat down last night for an hour or so to talk about online gaming. It seemed to be a very timely thing as a number of people in this time of the coronavirus are now self-isolating and are cut off from their normal gaming groups or clubs or whatever and are looking for alternatives to get their gaming fix. So we thought we'd draw upon our experience of online gaming and explain to people who might not have done it before how they can dip their toes into this strange new online world, how they can find other groups of people to play with, and generally have all the fun they're missing in person. Well, most of the fun they're missing in person. We can't meet all your needs. Anyway, we hope you enjoy this episode and find it useful. Hello and welcome to a very, very special episode of How We Roll Podcast. With the influx of the coronavirus across the world, a whole bunch of people uh, are either finding it really hard to get together with their regular RPG group, or maybe they're stuck at home and thinking, hey, I want to try some RPGs. How do I do that online? So myself and Scott Dodd. Hi, Scott. Hey, Joe. Um, I've got together just for a short time and we'll discuss some of the best ways and the easiest ways of playing RPGs online. Um, Because obviously that's something we do with How We Roll and have been doing with How We Roll for the last five years. So um, we'll talk about our experiences and we'll try and share some, well, interesting things. Um, If it's okay, Scott, I thought we could start off with talking about virtual tabletops. Yeah. Well, you may be more of an expert on this than I am, because I, I I found it kind of interesting how popular things like Roll20, you know, which is obviously the big virtual tabletop out there, but there's plenty of others. I think Fantasy Grounds does similar stuff, and um, there's all sorts of other choices. But, yeah, these are incredibly popular tools, and I've never really used any of them. I, we use Roll20 as a dice roller. but in, <laughs> For Call of Cthulhu. Yeah. yeah, but I think it's because I tend to run games like Call of Cthulhu, or games where you don't necessarily have maps that you're sharing with the players. And as a result, the breadth of tools that are available there are just wasted on me. <laughs> That, I mean, that's fair. So, I mean, we, we, I, so I've never used Fantasy Grounds. Uh, Fantasy Grounds you can get on Steam, I believe. And I've heard that if you want something with all your bells and all your whistles, Fantasy Grounds is the thing to use, but it takes an incredible amount of time to set up. And I think you may even have to buy bits to make it work. But again, yeah. I'm not sure of that. I've never used it. 
I've heard really good things if you have the time to set it up. I know, for example, that you can get a number of Call of Cthulhu scenarios uh, that are effectively done as as plugins or DLC uh, for mm. Fantasy Grounds. So you don't necessarily have to go out and buy the book. That you can basically buy it within the application and get all the character sheets and maps and so on all set up for the game, which sounds very very convenient. So I think Fantasy Grounds is all kind of 3D and it looks like a real table and you can kind of ah. zoom in on it. And it again, I, I probably shouldn't go into too much detail because I've literally never used it before. Mm. So maybe we should focus on Roll20. <laughs> yes. Because so, I've used it loads. And I know for Call of Cthulhu, we literally use it as a dice roller. Um, you get like a big sort of sketch pad that you can draw on and then you get um, a filing system where you can store character sheets um, you can store all the handouts and things. I know that when you've, you've GM'd from us, you've often sent me handouts and I've loaded them up into there. Yeah. Yeah, it, it never occurs to me to do that. And again, yeah, I really should because the facility's there. Whenever I share handouts in an online game, I tend to use Google Drive because, you know, I, I, write, I write and edit for a living and I collaborate with lots of people all around the world. I rely on Google Drive and Google Docs for my day-to-day -day work to the extent where I basically just live in Google Drive. And it just never occurs to me to use anything else because <laughs> or if I've got pre-gen character sheets or handouts or whatever, they're going to be there anyway because that's where I created the damn things. So, yeah, uploading them to another platform and I can just share them from there does even occur to me i mean that's fair i mean so the, we, we could do is uh, and what we probably should do is you can build your character sheet within roll 20 and so mm. um it's not just having it as a as a sheet it's actually becomes interactive so you can actually press on say your shotgun and it will roll the shotgun using your skill roll for shotgun yeah um, and the same with your power and fast um, sanity and things but really Roll20 is designed for slightly more crunchy games like Dungeons & Dragons where your your character sheet being online is gives you a whole load more um, info you can set up macros so that um, like little formulas that will run different spells and attacks and things like that um, like I know we had I'm sure Owen had set up his his thief or rogue character to do the sneak attack damage and he'd done a little macro so depending what weapon he was using it would just you literally press dagger and it would roll damage and attack rolls for his sneak attack um i mean the thing that's a fantastic about roll 20 which is we only really use for dungeon dragons is the thing that's called dynamic lighting so you can load up a map and then you, the DM will draw on the walls in the dynamic lighting layer of Roll20. Mm. And then to everyone who plays it, they can literally only see what their character sees. Oh, so right. to their character, they'll only see the room they're in. Um, but then if they move their character into the next room, the, the room that they were in then goes dark and the, <laughs> the, the room they're now in goes light. Nice. Um, and if you do it right, you can actually make it so they can still see through the door. And depending on ah. where your character is, the angle of the light, they can still see like a bit into the room. And um, it's really, really good. And some of the things that you may have heard on How We Roll podcast where Owen sees this and everyone else sees this, <laughs> it's because we've used dynamic lighting and their, their views are completely different. And that's really cool as well. And you mentioned using some of the fancier dice rolling stuff. I, one thing that I have done in Call of Cthulhu 
not in games I've run myself, but in ones where more organised keepers have set them up in Roll20 and actually had the character sheets there, is that that thing where when you roll against a skill, it gives you um, the outcomes for bonus and penalty dice, and it gives you all the different levels of success as well. So it, sh it tells you just straight off whether you've had an ordinary success, a fumble, a failure, um, oh, an extreme yes. success, a hard success, and yeah, how well that would be if there were one or two bonus or penalty dice. And just having all that in one go, I think takes any possible confusion out of the game for new players <laughs> you say that so roll 20 when you set up a roll 20 game you get to choose what game you're playing mm. and generally i set up as a generic thing so it's just you're not playing any game it's just an empty roll 20 session but if you set it up as a call of cthulhu game then it gives you that dice roller that you've mentioned so it tells you what the result is but we, we just found people getting really confused <laughs> like what are all these numbers oh, okay okay <laughs> So we were like, well, let's just make it as simple as possible <laughs> for, for everyone playing. But that might just be our group of players. <laughs> no comment, Joe. No comment. <laughs> hey, it didn't confuse me at all. <laughs> and that's my story, and I am sticking to it. <laughs> um, it's worth saying, in terms of all the maps and things, because obviously it's great saying that, oh, you can make these really cool maps using dynamic lighting, but... Then where do you get those maps? So mm. as as Scott's previously mentioned, things like um, Call of Cthulhu, so Chaosium, and as well as Wizards of the Coast with Dungeons and Dragons, you can buy these uh, sort of downloadable content that come with all the maps. Um, so I think with Curse of Strahd, which is one of our big campaigns, you can literally buy the whole of course Curse of Strahd on Roll Twenty, and it has all the maps already done with dynamic lighting. It comes with all the little figures that you can use for all the monsters, um, and it gets has all handouts and everything like that. So it's if 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 you're really into playing with Roll Twenty and Roll Twenty is definitely your thing, and I know we've we've definitely looked at doing this, um, you can buy like an entire campaign built into Roll Twenty. Mm. Um, if you want to buy something smaller, um, I know um, DMs Guild sell individual Curse of Strahd maps made by different artists. So the Castle Ravenloft map we've used, um, I bought on DMs Guild, and it's it's incredible, and it's it's. The map goes into really, really good detail. It includes all the furnishings and blood splatters and all sorts of cool stuff <laughs> as you're navigating your way around it. But I did have to load it into Roll20 and then spend a very, very long time drawing all the walls <laughs> for the dynamic lighting to work and things like that. So, I, I mean, I guess I don't want to sell like I'm you know, an advertiser for Roll20, but I, I've been using it now for five years and I think <laughs> I pay like $5 a month for it. So I get some extra features. It is actually free. You can get um, basic features for free. I'd, I'd definitely recommend that as a, certainly one of your first ports of call if you definitely want to play online. But on the other hand, you don't need to use a dedicated platform like that. For most of the online games I've played over the years, I used Google Hangouts because they were a free option. And until a couple of years ago, when Google made a lot of changes to them, there were some nice plugins that would allow you to use dice rollers and stuff like that. And you could even record them to youtube so you could keep a record of what was going on and share them afterwards uh unfortunately google have been systematically dicking around with handouts to the <laughs> hangouts to the point where it's not really quite the usable platform it was before 
I haven't actually used it for a while, so I don't know what the current state of it is. But, I mean, it may still be an option. I You'd have to use a separate dice roller, so, I mean, you could just use Roll20 as a dice roller. You could, um, you could use Skype or Discord or Zoom or anything else. Mm. Uh, and, you know, just, uh, again, have a, a separate dice roller. I... I Discovered by accident the other day that if you type, for example, roll 2d10 into uh, Google, there is now a dedicated dice roll that comes yeah. up in Google, which actually looks quite full-featured. Mm. And we've we've experimented with a whole load of different sort of voice apps. We've used Skype, we've used Discord, um, we used Google Hangouts for a bit, and now we actually pay for a, a Zoom account. Um, I don't recommend paying for the Zoom account unless you you do add a podcast because it is quite expensive. Mm. But we just found that different people had different issues. Like I know when we use Skype, was was that you that had an issue, Scott? Or was it someone else? No, it wasn't was it me. Discord that I, yours was. Oh, the, I don't think it was the platform. There was that weird thing that went on for a while where every now and then my voice would drop two octaves. <laughs> yeah, we never got to the bottom of that no. but i definitely say that if you're at home and you you find that you have an issue with one platform say skype then maybe just try another one and i think that yeah. the main free ones seem to be skype uh google hangouts um and discord i would not recommend using the built-in one with roll 20 um so mm. i haven't used it for about a year but the last time we used it we had all sorts of issues with it it is there and it's probably worth experimenting with but I know that in the past we've just muted all the stuff on, on Roll20 because we had so many issues with it. And one other thing you might want to take into account when you're choosing your platform or setting it up for your users is whether or not you're going to use video or just audio. And for me, I really like using video chat because particularly when I'm GMing, I like to be able to see the players' faces. I like to be able to see their body language and reactions. It's kind of odd in that a lot of the people I played with recently really don't seem to like video and just do audio only and personally I find that quite tricky no I completely agree and it's not like I don't even have a webcam like it's literally just the webcam that's built into my laptop mm. um and I if I'm dming dungeon dragons where I've got a lot of things going on so I've got my maps my monsters and my notes and everything I actually probably have the 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 webcam minimized for a lot of it just because I've got too much going on, but if it was like a an NPC scene where I was role playing with the players, then I would be looking at them individually, and I definitely find it harder. Like Scott said, I find I find it harder not to be able to see people, and I think I I, I definitely wouldn't say spend loads of money on a mic, spend loads of money on a webcam, yeah. at least not initially, but definitely um, work on sort of mic discipline. I know <laughs> uh, some of my friends have been working from home a lot recently. And have been complaining about the lack of mic discipline <laughs> of a lot of their colleagues who have, um, you know, they'll suddenly turn away from the mic and say, you can't hear them. And they'll go really, really <laughs> close. And, they go, and it's, it's an absolute nightmare. So, you know, have the mic about six inches away from you. Um, or if you're using, say, the built-in mic of your computer, then maybe just experiment a little bit. But then try and keep that distance the same. <laughs> try not to move around too much and definitely try not to turn your head away from it because it, it, it really um, can be quite difficult for the people trying to listen to you. And the other things when you're doing that, to bear in mind, are, for the love of God, wear headphones. Uh, yeah, I, I have played a number of online games with people who don't wear headphones. And... 
I, I don't want to say that I wish them ill, but you know, if they were eaten alive <laughs> by fire ants, I wouldn't cry. But yeah, the the problem with not wearing headphones is that you you end up getting feedback, you end up getting all sorts of weird audio um, problems coming in, and you know, echoes and. You, you end up, for example, other players can end up just hearing their own voices coming back to them. And yeah, <laughs> that is the last thing you want in an online game. I, I saw <laughs> I, I saw a, some article, I think in New Scientist a, a number of years back, where there was this device that one of the intelligence services, I, I think maybe even DARPA in the US was developing, to try to subdue rabble-rousers in riots and people giving speeches they didn't like, which was basically a, a parabolic microphone and then uh, a, uh, a device that would just feed back the sound you know in a very narrow beam back to a source at distance that would record the voice of the person speaking and then play it back to them at a distance <laughs> with about a half second delay and that just stops you being able to think it just shuts down your brain and if if you're if you're playing with someone who isn't wearing headphones that is exactly what happens <laughs> It's, it's probably worth saying, like, there's just some real general tips, actually, to playing online. And it is actually a different thing to playing face-to-face. -face. And, and and wearing headphones is probably a big one. That's the mm -hmm. same with things like ex ex external noise. So if you play in a really, really noisy room or if you're sat there eating crisps... Oh, God, <laughs> yes. Fact, really, again, I think it can be really, really off-putting to the people around you. Um, and I'd also say, like, I know in our the last face-to-face -face game I played in, there were six of us. I would really, really recommend not playing with six online. Mm. Um, I'd probably yeah. try and say about three or four. So like a DM and maybe three or four players is the limit of an average game. You certainly can go more like it. And, and we have done it on how we roll and we do do it on how we roll quite regularly. But three or four players is about right for online because it's so difficult to keep everyone's attention because there's potentially a lot of distractions, um, you know. Yeah. And what you were saying about background noise as well. I mean, obviously, you know, things are going to happen. I, I've got two cats and they just like knocking over everything in sight whenever I'm recording. And you can, you know, if, if you're recording, obviously, then, you know, that's a whole different story. But in an online game, if you're just playing and you want to try to avoid distracting the other players when stuff like that is happening, just just go on mute when you're, you know, if your character's not in the scene or if you're not involved, go on mute, come off afterwards. Well, admittedly, this does sometimes lead to comic moments where someone <laughs> forgets they're on mute and you'll just see them just f lips flapping away for about 30 seconds before <laughs> anyone gets around to telling them. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's definitely a tricky one. And I know you when you're playing online, you've just got to bear in mind that there are a whole load of other distractions. Um and I know in some really bad examples, I've known people that have been opening up and playing computer games and doing, yeah. you know, watching TV and Netflix and stuff because the focus isn't on them. Yeah, I, I've, I've had people do that. I had, sorry, one person do that once at a convention game. And yeah, that's, I mean, I can almost tolerate it in an online setting. But if you get someone who every time their character isn't seen in, in a scene who sits there playing games on his tablet... I, that, oh, during a like face-to-face -face convention. Oh, absolutely, day. yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, the, the, he is no longer welcome on my games. I was about to say, buddy. 
Um, I mean, it's. I mean, I really dislike it when I'm DMing face to face and someone brings their phone out and things like mm. that. Well, there are a couple of things you can do to mitigate that. Um, these don't just apply to online groups. I think they apply just as much to face to face. But for the reasons you've said, they're probably more important for online groups. So, when you're dealing with split parties, uh, then what I try to do is cut regularly between the players. So, you know, it's not always easy, but, you know, if you have someone who's gone off on their own to do a bit of investigation, the old dark house on the hill, and everyone else is poking around the cemetery, it's very easy just to sort of forget about that person up in the old dark house on the hill, and I I have done that at times, but um, (laughs) what tends to work best is sort of playing out short scenes so you know when that person in the old dark house moves from one room to another or you know encounters a new npc or something like that then you know take that as an opportunity to switch back to the other group you know they then come up against you know something else that's of interest is something that'll allow you to create a little mini cliffhanger and then switch back to the person up in the house and just do that over and over again and if you leave it on those mini cliffhangers then everyone's attention is there and if the scenes are short enough then they don't disengage while the other person's on uh, in the spotlight and I guess the other advantage of leaving on a cliffhanger is um, it gives them an opportunity to try and think of how they're going to deal with it. Yes. So they can think of something inventive or creative or even just something to do. Because <laughs> sometimes you're like, I actually don't know what to do in this situation. So if you give them, you know, five or ten minutes to think about it while there's some other cool stuff going on, um, it is going to keep that level of engagement up. Yeah. I, the other things that help, I think, an awful lot with keeping that level of engagement up in online games, and I think this applies very much to online games, is having regular breaks. Uh, yeah. I think breaking every hour just for five or ten minutes so people can go to the loo, get a drink, just stretch their legs, whatever, is good. And and I think having short sessions in general. Th- there's a friend of mine, a game designer called Raphael Chandler, who... I I played with it online a few times and he sort of opened up my eyes to this in that I've I've always seen three to four hours as being an ideal length for a game. And he was a great advocate of one to two hours because that would just keep everyone fresh and focused during that time. And as I experimented with that and started switching to shorter sessions, I found that, yeah, it paid real dividends. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously that won't apply to every group, and you know, part of that is probably because I'm an old fart now and you know, don't have the energy I did when I was young. But yeah, I think for a, an online game, you know, one or two hours is perfect. Well, that, well, that's what we currently do on how we roll. So how we roll, we often record during the week, and we all have jobs. A lot of us have kids, and so we tend to start around seven thirty, and we go on until about ten with um, a break in between. So we'll play for an hour and we'll have a sort of 10, 15 minute break and we'll go for another hour or so and then we'll see if people have got the energy for the third hour. And often people don't, sometimes people mm. do. It's, it's sort of a bit of a flip of the coin there. But I think definitely having having breaks is really important, even if it's just five minutes nip to the toilet. Yeah. Uh, one of the other things I was going to suggest, particularly if this is sort of the first time um, people at home are doing stuff online, was to actually try a one-shot before jumping into like a giant campaign. Mm-hmm. So before you spend £50 on a giant Curse of Strahd campaign that's all online with all sort of all bells and everything. 
all these dynamic lighting maps actually to try a one shot um and i was trying to think of actually some games um that work really well for that one shot one evening go and i think obviously call of cthulhu yeah um lends itself and i think we could probably talk about some scenarios that would go really well for a one shot if people want to do that at home and that would work maybe really well online um but i also wonder if there's some other games we could mention that might be worth trying out um, there's one very particularly that i want to mention um i mentioned Raphael chandra a few minutes ago he actually mm. specifically wrote a game that is designed to be played uh, online and and only works online a game called view scream uh, which okay. is basically a science fiction horror game. You're playing the bridge crew of a spaceship that is in some kind of horrific situation. So if you think something like Event Horizon or Alien or something like that, yeah. and you play the entire game in character, there is no out-of-character talk. You have character sheets that give you certain things you've got to do and um, certain problems that are going to come up and ways you can help other characters with their problems. But you're, the idea is that in this crisis, you're all completely isolated on the ship. You're only communicating, communicating via comms. So the uh, the hangout or the, you know, the video chat or whatever is basically your comms on board the spaceship. And he did a, a few hacks of this as well. Uh, so that, you know, for example, there was one where you're playing wizards who are communicating via crystal balls across a, <laughs> a, a fantasy kingdom. Uh, there was another one that uh, Jason Morningstar of Fiasco fame uh, created, where you're basically playing radar operators in the Cold War as this uh, you know, apparent nuclear strike from the Soviet Union is coming in and you're trying to work out what the hell to do. Oh, that sounds amazing. And I've just Googled it. So Yeah, I, I highly recommend it. We, we should absolutely play it at some stage on uh, how we roll. I, I was just, I've just looked for it. It's it's a view screen first edition. It's free on DriveThruRPG right now. And it's uh, it's got some pretty good ratings as well. So definitely check that out. Oh, yeah. And, and before it sounds like, a, yeah, I, I am I'm being disingenuous here or, yeah, um, I, I did actually edit it. So, yeah. I was... Okay. <laughs> It says here, edited by Scott Dawood. <laughs> that sounds ace, so we should definitely play that. Um, I mean, in terms of Call of Cthulhu, there's there's some really straightforward one-shots that everyone should try. So, I mean, The Haunting, um, and it's, it's that's part of the... Yeah. There's a sort of free starter set. Yes, yeah, so um, the, the quick start rules, yeah. Yeah, um, and that's where most people start. If you haven't played Call of Cthulhu, obviously, that's a, a fantastic place to start. But yeah, I mean, if you're a beginner, particularly, and you're looking for simple, quick scenarios, I mean, there's obviously the ones in the beginner's box set or the starter set. Uh, so that's things like Edge of Darkness, Paper Chase. Uh, I can't remember. Is Dead Man's yeah. Stomp in there? Um, I think Dead Man's Stomp's in there, yeah, because it's just yeah. been updated, hasn't it? Uh, so you've got that. Uh, you've got obviously the scenarios in the Keeper rule book. Uh, so you've got uh, Amidst the Ancient Trees in there by Matt Sanderson, which is a fun scenario and quite simple. Uh, which we're playing on the podcast next week. Yeah. yeah you, you've got Alan Bly's uh, fantastic um, Crimson Letters, which again, I think would lend itself quite well to online play. And then you have uh, Doors to Darkness, which is that collection of beginner scenarios, which has got some damn fine stuff in it as well. So I think you're, you're spoiled for choice there. 
what I was also going to say, there's the uh, there's the Deadlight and other dark turns. Uh, Deadlight is one of my favourite scenarios of all time. Oh, yes. And that's uh, just been re... Not rewritten, but it's been updated, hasn't it? So it's, um, yeah, there's a second scenario in there as well now called uh, Saturnine Chalice uh, by Matt Sanderson. Oh, nice. And then uh, there's Gateways to Terror as well, which has uh, just been released, which has the Necropolis. Yes. Uh, which we played in our live uh uh, Call of Cthulhu game last year at PodCon um, and it's got some other bits in there too hasn't it? Yeah actually I mean that's probably a really good choice if you're just testing the water because the scenarios in there are all designed to be demos for Call of Cthulhu I don't know whether they've adjusted them for the book publication but initially they were designed to run in one hour or you know with an option of running in two in some cases. They've got pre-gens, they're very tight focused situations so if you wanted to give someone a first exposure to Call of Cthulhu and keep it as simple as possible. Those are great choices. Yeah, so that's that's Gateways to Terror, Three Evenings of Nightmare, which has uh, the scenarios are The Necropolis, um, What's in the Cellar, and The Dead Border. And they, they actually look really good. I've, yeah, I've, I've run um, Dead Border as a demo at uh, Tabletop Gaming Live a few years ago. And yeah, that was... Uh, yeah, that that is a fun scenario. Um... I guess another thing that's probably worth mentioning is if you don't have an RPG group, so you're stuck at home for whatever reason, you think, you know what, I really fancy playing a tabletop RPG, but now I don't have a group and I now can't leave the house. Um, I wondered if it's worth giving a few recommendations of ways you can get a group together or maybe, you know, find a group to join. Well, one possibility if you want to test the water is there are a number of online conventions so these are like RPG conventions that people create purely online. So there's one, I think, coming up at the end of this month or certainly in the not too distant future, which is Contessa, which has been running for some years, uh, which uh, I've never been involved with it, but I've heard you know fantastic things about it. Uh, mm. And you know, it's probably well worth looking into. And there's also Ethercon, which I know Chaosium have got very involved with in previous years and there's always mm. plenty of call of cthulhu there so it's worth keeping an eye out for those um i mean that, that that's a fantastic suggestion i think we've we've looked at getting involved in ethercon before as well um and there's also as both um the call both the how we roll podcast discord and the good friends of jackson elias discord we have looking for group channels yep. and i know numerous um online games face-to-face games and play-by-post games have been um started there I know people sort of say, hey, I want to run a game at this time, in this time zone, who's interested? And uh, the group tends to form very quickly. So if, if you're not already a member of our Discord channels, <laughs> definitely yeah, head over there and see if there's any games going because they are yeah, pretty regular. People are looking for groups there. And as a bit of absolutely naked self-promotion, both How We Roll and the good friends of Jackson Elias do upon occasion run games for patrons. Oh, we do. <laughs> we do very much so. <laughs> Um, so do please check out our patrons and uh, our Patreons and see if there's anything going there. Um, I'd actually want to like to one, roll one pretty soon because I've got something in mind that I'd like to run for Patreons. So uh, yeah, watch this space. Um, and and I guess the last thing is, I mean that the how we roll crew, um, I, or at least the original group that got together. So myself, um, Dave, Curran, Owen. We met by playing computer games online, and it was pretty much, mm. um, hey, you know, we just, oh, Niall as well, we pretty much were playing computer games, and we started playing through voice chat and got chatting, and it turned out everyone fancied playing a game, and that's that's how, how we were all started, pretty much. 
So often it's just worth asking and you, you might find that people around you are either already playing or interested in playing. Well, and the other thing as well is that, you know, it, it, this time of self-isolation and social distancing, that a number of regular groups are going virtual. So, for example, you know, I'm, I'm a member of the Milton Keynes Role Playing Club, uh, and that has weekly meetings in a community centre up in Stony Stratford. But at the moment, obviously, that is not going on. So the organisers there have basically said, you know, we'll carry on meeting, we'll carry on with the normal Tuesday night time slot, but it's all going to be done over Discord now. And, you know, so it is still the club, it's just now a virtual club. And, yeah, I think there's plenty of scope for doing stuff like that. So if you do have your regular game group uh, who you can't meet up with at the moment, or if you're a member of, the, of a game club and you, know, you don't want to get together at the moment, then by all means, look at doing it online instead. No, I think that's really fantastic advice. And maybe, if, you know, if you don't have a gaming group already, just look to see if there is a group near you that's maybe running stuff online. It might be a good time to join, a good time to start playing. Oh, and of course, the other place, if you're looking for groups online, is Reddit. There is a subreddit there, uh, which I think is called LFG, or Looking for Group, which is mm. the same kind of thing. So it's people all around the world. And I mean, this is one thing to bear in mind. Yeah, I meant to mention this earlier, uh, which is, you know, if you're used to face-to-face role-playing, obviously you're limited by geography, but if you're playing online, yeah, we play with people all around the world on how we roll. And mm-hmm. you know, the gaming groups that I play with outside of that, they you know, they are you know, some of them are in the UK, some in Sweden, some in the US. Yeah, so, you know, it's all very distributed. The one caveat I will offer which is obviously in my mind at the moment because we've had some scheduling problems like this ourselves recently, is time zones. Time zones are such a pain in the ass when it comes to this. So you you need to find ways of communicating exactly what time you're supposed to be meeting because you get, for example, we're in this weird spot at the moment where the clocks have changed in the US, but they haven't in Europe and the UK. So... You know, all the normal time differences are out by an hour. And this happens twice a year for, you know, sometimes a few weeks. So, you know, between that and people not necessarily knowing what the time difference is between, you know, them and all the other players, you need to find some way of communicating, you know, exactly when that is. And if anyone ever finds a good solution for that, let <laughs> me know, because I've never got the fucking thing to work. <laughs> Well, the the main thing that we use is something called Doodle. Um, And I know that um, when we've got, say, guests from other shows and we're trying to coordinate lots of people together, then Doodle's really good because the person who opens it can literally say, right, these are the dates that we're looking at. So let's say often I select, um, when I do it, maybe all the Tuesdays and Sundays for the next eight weeks. And then I'll send it out to different people and they'll say which of those Tuesdays and Sundays that are free on. And hopefully you'll find at least some dates where everybody's free and that becomes your date. Um, and so I definitely recommend Doodle. I'm sure there's loads of other options that uh, do similar things, but that's that's worked pretty well from us. And it um, and it also alters the time zone for you automatically. So if I say 7, you know, 7 p.m. UK time, or for me, it'll just say 7 p.m., then that will automatically adjust for anyone in a different time zone. And it will show that for them as well, which is really useful. 
And similarly, I think you can do that with Google Calendar. And I think there are scheduling options within Facebook that allow you to do the same thing as well. So, yeah, I mean, for, for all my little rant there, there are tools out there <laughs> that will solve the problem in practical ways. I'm just too bloody lazy to use them. <laughs> it's, it's definitely. And, and actually, another thing that I know, so a lot of people, when they, they try online gaming for the first time, particularly if they aren't playing with a group of friends they know well and they're playing with a brand new group, they might run into issues with, um, I don't know, groups that have a slightly different way of playing than what they're looking at, or maybe they just run into a whole load of dickheads. It does happen. <laughs> but but then they just stop and that's it. They don't play anymore. And I think particularly online, and I, I mean actually face-to-face, like I went through a whole load of different groups before I found a group that I was comfortable with. Um, and that group actually then eventually turned into how we roll as well. Just because what I was looking for from a game wasn't necessarily what they were looking for for a game. I know I played one uh, face-to-face one where they were just really, really into the combat, which was great for a bit. But, uh, you know, it's fourth edition. It was very, very crunchy. And it just wasn't really what I was looking for. And I think particularly with online play, you're going to get a whole load of different diverse personalities and the ways that they want to play. And I just say don't don't give up if you have a, a bad experience. On the other hand, there are some people, I've, I've known a couple, I mean, for example, my friend Paul Fricker, who I do the Good Friends of Jackson Elias with, he has tried online gaming a few times and he just cannot get into it. I, he finds there's something about just playing, you know, with people who aren't really there and, you know, communicating through a screen and so on, that just makes it impossible for him to connect the same way as he does around a gaming table. And it's not like he's just dismissed it out of hand. He's tried it a number of times and he's just not happy with it. So he stopped. And that's fair enough. You know, this won't suit everyone, but I think it suits most people. Oh, definitely. I mean, I I do really miss playing face-to-face. And I think, um, you know, if I get an opportunity... um, and if I can fit it around job and kids and podcast and everything else, <laughs> I would definitely try and do it. But um, we've been playing online now for five years with How We Roll, um, and I love it. You know, we've had some amazing experiences. In fact, some of my best ever role playing experiences have been online. Um, and it, you know, it's taken a while to get it right, particularly in terms of like microphones and getting the group right and everything like yeah. that. Uh, but it is definitely worth the effort. Um, Oh, yeah. Now, sorry, that's reminded me. One more bit of practical advice for anyone who is doing their first ever online game, which is, yeah, or at least if you've got any new players who've never done any online gaming as well, which is resign yourself to the fact that you will probably spend the first half hour to an hour sorting out technical problems. There will always be someone who can't get their microphone to work. There'll be someone with connection, connectivity problems. I, normally these problems iron out by the time you've got a group who's done it a few times and people become you know, more and more savvy to it. But initially, yeah, it will be quite frustrating. Don't let this put you off. It gets better. Yeah, for sure. And I think that that goes as well within not just sort of mic discipline, but sort of taking it in turns. Mm. Um, We do speak over each other a bit in how we roll and we've come over uh, in the edit. I tend to fix that. But even when we play live. So if you've um, heard our Patreon um, exclusive scenario, the space between that was five people. Um, Four. Well, yeah, sorry, five, including me. Yeah. Yeah, so four four players and the keeper with no editing, and actually, and my memory is that there's not a great deal of speaking over each other because yeah. we've we've 
we've kind of learned how not to do it and we, we also have the cameras so we look at each other while we're doing it and you can see when someone's about to talk or about to finish talking um, and you pick up on vocal clues as well but but also i mean that's another place where video chat comes in useful because you know mm. you can see from people's body language whether they're about to stop speaking uh but yeah, there will always be a certain amount of cross talk, particularly if you're playing internationally, just because of there's going to be slight lag, and that does occasionally lead to yeah, unavoidable cross talk. But yeah, again, with with a bit of practice, you mitigate that and you lessen it, and it's it's all right. But I would say that it is worth paying attention to see if there's someone who hasn't spoken a lot recently. Um, and if you're the, particularly if you're the DM or keeper or GM or however you want to call it, because part of your role is to facilitate everyone to have a good time. And I think it really is as GM. And if you've noticed that maybe someone's not had a go or not really said anything, just see if they're happy with that by, you know, encouraging them to speak and saying, oh, well, what do you do? Or, or you know, giving them a moment. They might actually be sitting there and being quite happy and either listening or not having anything wanting to they want to do at this moment, but you also might find that there's so many confident or loud voices um, that they're being drowned out. And when you're playing online, particularly if you don't have cameras, you miss all those social cues. Um, And I think one way to almost guarantee that someone's going to not engage or, you know, open up a computer game or just wander off is if they haven't had an opportunity to participate for the last 45 minutes. Um, So Particularly if you if your group hasn't played online a lot recently, then really be very aware of on participation. And I think that might be it. <laughs> I think I think that is a very good place to end it. Yes. Um, I mean, there was a few things that I wanted to sort of plug. I mean, obviously we've mentioned Roll Twenty, we've mentioned Fantasy Grounds. Um, in terms of uh, online maps and things like that, you definitely can buy them from places like DMs Guild. Um, I'm sure there's some on Drive Through RPG as well. I also wanted to mention um, Dungeon Frog. Um, Dungeon Frog is a, a very um, you probably heard me going on about them last year during their Kickstarter, um, but they are a very, very intuitive and very easy way of creating your own online maps. Um, I'd just head over to dungeonfrog.com if you want to make some maps and you'll you'll find them, I'm, sh- I'm sure you'll find them very, very cool. Um, in terms of things like character sheets, you can upload them onto something like Roll20 if you're using a, a, a fantasy ground like that. Um, but D&D Beyond is incredible. They've got the licensing off Wizards of the Coast to host all of the Wizards of the Coast um, books online. So Player's Handbook, right all the way through to all the adventures, to every single book that's ever come out. So you can build characters on D&D Beyond and you have access to every book that you own on D&D Beyond. For us, it's worked really, really well and um, we, we very, very much recommend it. Not quite the same thing, but for Call of Cthulhu, if you're looking for ways of creating characters online and sharing them online, there is a free tool out there called The Doll's House, uh, which has got all sorts of uh, digital tools for Call of Cthulhu players. Uh, It's it's not as polished as something like D&D Beyond, and like I say, it is a free service, but yeah, it's um, a fairly quick and easy way of creating a character you know sometimes randomly there's libraries of of already created characters there which you can flesh out yourself i've just realized i'm a massive idiot because i've never seen that i've never heard that read out loud i've only ever read it so it's spelt 
d-h-o-l-e which is like yep. a giant worm in call of cthulhu um by your favorite author brian lumley um uh, oh no no the dolls came from uh lovecraft the oh did he okay oh, yeah, no lumley created the gathonians which is similar. oh of course um but, no, but i've never really realized it was the doll's house which is quite a yes that, yeah so I, I feel like an idiot but yeah definitely check out the, <laughs> the doll's house uh, which is a very cool... Uh, it, it's where um, we have on How We Roll and also loads of How We Roll fans have created characters and it, it comes highly, highly recommended. And, and it's free. And it's free. Um, very, very cool. Um, I guess in terms of other online resources, there's always things like uh, Call of Cthulhu on Reddit. They have their own Reddit page, which has got loads of recommendations and tips for face-to-face and um, online play. Well, and, and of course... Well, and, and of course, if you're looking at just upping your game in Call of Cthulhu in general, the best resource you could possibly tap into is the Good Friends of Jackson Live podcast. <laughs> I thought you were going to say How You Roll podcast there. <laughs> <laughs> I, said, I said the best, not the second best, Joe. <laughs> the best actual play for Call of Cthulhu. <laughs> uh, with 100% no singing. <laughs> That's not true, actually. We've just released singing on Patreon for How We Roll. Oh, God. Uh, um, right i think on that <laughs> note it's time to uh, time to call it a day so thank you so much for listening i hope we have provided you with a little bit of information on playing online if we have helped you please do let us know um you can contact me joe trio on twitter at hwr podcast you can contact me through the harry world facebook page through the harry world discard i can't even speak now through the harry world discord um, harryrollpodcast at gmail.com um, and obviously you can find our, our actual plays of Call of Cthulhu, Dungeons and Dragons and other games on anywhere you can find podcasts, so iTunes, Spotify um, and I'm sure loads of other places as well. Um, Scott, how can uh, people find you? Uh, well, you can find me on Twitter as S. Dalwood. Um you can find me fairly often on the How We Roll Discord server Alternatively, if you go to BlasphemousTomes.com, that's the home of the good friends of Jackson Elias, and there's links there to all our various social media presences, and I can be found hiding behind some of those as well. Amazing. And uh, again, thanks for joining us, Scott, and thank you at home for listening. I hope that we've given some useful advice. Um, We will be back next week with our next exciting actual play episode, which I believe is Two-Headed Serpent. to the good friends of Jackson Elias. You can find show notes for this episode at blasphemoustomes.com where you'll also find all our social media presences. We have t-shirts and other merchandising available at our Redbubble store. If you're enjoying this show, please consider backing us at patreon.com forward slash goodfriendsofjacksonelias. Thank you for listening. Blasphemous tomes.com mm-hmm.